Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On today's episode, I speak with the iconic Tony-nominated star of stage, screen, and soon-to-be podcasts, Daphne Rubin-Vega. Tomorrow, Friday, October 5th, the original cast album of Miss You Like Hell will be released, and the cast and creators are having a special release party on Monday, October 8th at Joe's Pub. We, of course, will have links for you to purchase the album and tickets to the concert in the show notes. The show, which had its off-Broadway premiere at the Public Theater earlier this year, features a book by Kiara Alegria Hooties, music by Aaron McCowan, and the two collaborated on lyrics. The story follows an undocumented immigrant played by Daphne on the verge of deportation taking a road trip with her estranged teenage daughter played by Giselle Jimenez. I got a chance to listen to the album before talking to Daphne, and even though I didn't get a chance to see the show at the public, the music is so powerful and moving and fun and unique and varied. I think you're really going to love it if you haven't seen the show, so please, please, please check it out. We also talked about Daphne's recently announced horror podcast from Gimlet Media, so excited, and her participation in 54 Below's The Jonathan Larson Project, which runs next week. Before we get into our conversation, I do need to apologize, though. I had some issues with the recording on my end, but fortunately, I always have a backup recorder going, so my audio is not as good as I would normally like it to be, but let's be honest, you're not listening to this to hear me anyway. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Daphne Rubin-Vega. I started our chat by telling her just how impressed and taken and honestly a bit shook I was to see such a flawed and complex and strong Latino woman in a role that I know means a great deal to her. Oh, well, that makes me very happy. Our job has been done, you know. I think that... You know, I have this, I was at dinner with some friends and I was talking about feeling like, like a a theater radical, like an actress, like a radical actor, you know, that um, just in light of everything in the times, like it slowly has been dawning on me that just. I've always been asked, you know, how come you always pick these edgy roles and, you know, they're so edgy and it's like, you know what? the fact that I am in them has made them quote edgy, not edgy. Now it's not the role. It's the fact that when Daphne gets in a role, suddenly it's so edgy, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, um, I think that it just reminds me of how there is so much, uh, that that we don't we're not used to taking up space, you know, as women, as 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 Latinos, as actors, as people in the world with a powerful voice, as storytellers, you know, like we have a good story and then it gets taken, you know, songs get um, copywritten and you know what I mean, jokes get stolen, traditions get like um, taken. I I, I don't want to get um, off point, but it's good to play um, an unapologetic, real human. There was a lot of emphasis on the flawed nature of Beatriz, and I just think, you know, who isn't flawed? And now is a great time to really, really just speak that and see that. Um, I think there's a big resistance. We're really attached 
to the lie of how things, quote, should be. But, you know, I think for radical theater, it's a good way to use um, storytelling to undo those lies. And you know what? I wake up and the older I get, the more I realize, wow, this is what they've been doing forever. You know, I thought this was new and that I was like breaking some mold and, oh, I'm such a vanguard. It's like, no, this is ancient. (laughs) You know, this is like, it's even older than Shakespeare, you know, like, duh. I mean, the Greeks, but I'm sure before that. Yeah. And when that's really interesting, you mentioned kind of the, the, the connections to the, the boundary pushing of the Greeks, because there is some, even some tie-ins with this show. A lot of shows that we know about, and even beyond theater, of the Greeks was these journeys that characters go on, both literal and figurative, and that's so much ingrained in Missy Like Hell that there is this physical, you know, journey, you know, going across the country, but also these, you know, the, the, the personal journeys that both uh, Olivia and Beatrice go on that there's there there's movement for both of them, both figuratively and literally. Yeah, and you know the Greeks gave get had a certain um, girth, pardon the expression, to be flawed. You know, yeah. but you know it was in this it was <laughs> rendered in in terms of carnage, you know, and war, and you know basic uh, things. Anyway, like Beatrice's. I always, you know, the gringa in me, you know, the feminist would think, you know, if Jack Nicholson or Gene Hackman had played this role, man, like, everybody would have been cool with it, you know? Um, But it's tough. It's tough, you know, being some of us and telling our truths within the structure of, like, serious hegemony, you know, and then it really sucks to try to get the approval from said hegemony, do you know, structure, hegemonic structure, to ask for validation from that structure that you're talking to and about and trying to, you know, have that messy dialogue with, uh, you know, reflect a mirror to. So, you know, we keep doing it. I don't know what to say. I'm very happy that you like the music and that, you know, some of the best stuff didn't have a category until it had a category. We're human animals, so we want to categorize stuff. But <laughs> the beauty in creating this is that we didn't we didn't categorize, you know. Yeah. I know it's really safe to be categorical and everything and break it down in like some binary way, but this wasn't that. And, um, and now we get to share it. Yeah. Well, and you've been, you know, I know it, you did the show at the public, uh, this, uh, this spring, but you'd been involved with this show for years. I mean, you back at, at La Jolla, but then I assume you were involved in kind of the lead up to that as well. So as you guys were all working in a room to tell this story, what was going through your mind as, you know, it started, it, you know, you did the production in August of 2016, and obviously so much changed in our country over the course <laughs> of that first production to when you did it in the spring. Was that, <sighs> did that change the emotions that went in it? Because I know Kiara first said that when she, when she started writing the play version, 
that it was in reaction to even though she was a supporter of, of President Obama, that she was still um, uncomfortable with the amount of deportations around the border. That is a very different environment to when it was originally written to when it started being performed oh. first at La Jolla and then at the public. Yeah, it was a different time so much. I mean, part of the... Um the 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 couple that Olivia and Beatrice meet um, are a gay couple, um, an elderly white male Caucasian male couple that um, are gay and are trying to get are not trying to but are celebrating their fifty years of being together by getting married in every state of the United States, and that was really born from the fact that there was not gay marriage in every state. So um, so a lot of these pebbles of uh, story are born from real historical experiences that were happening at the time and like little by slowly um, have had morphed into what became um, the version that you saw at, or that, that was at the yeah. Newman, at the public. Um, it went through many iterations, um, and nothing, well, I know that from the time that I was in it, and I was so um, honored to have Kiara have me play this role, it was like, I'm going to portray her as the person that I know, which is a lot of... Um, at that point, when I just started doing the reading, um, I knew um, more than just a couple of undocumented uh, women that that worked hard, that had dignity, and that weren't going to let anything um, bully them from taking care of their children that you know that had been here. That all those walls were really more keeping them in than keeping them out. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That given, yeah. So anyway, um, it isn't about the politics. It's about the humanity and how people, you know, that's what the story was. It wasn't a story about um, immigration law. It was a story about two women, um, one younger, you know, mother and daughter, uh, who who love each other despite not, you know, this, I mean, it's it's your mother. It was like, yeah. yeah, but, you know, she's a messed up character. And it's like, yeah, yes, and. And so what, you know, aren't we all? Yeah, um, yeah. And if you, had, if you had the same circumstances, really, really, really. And, like, you know, it was interesting to watch people um, have a hard time being, you know, sort of, soft-bellied, <laughs> you know, it was also a situation where the stage, the seats were all around the stage. So um, it was very, very intimate, you know, and that that alters the whole thing, you know. Sometimes people want to be more of a witness than a, than a, a you know, I don't know. Yeah, participant, yeah, absolutely. As, as I listen to this album, and I know, uh, and like you said, you've done a lot of these characters that are edgy and stuff, and, and your voice fits in so perfectly with kind of these eclectic songs uh, in this album. And if I, if I can, I want to switch some of the attention to uh, your co-star, Giselle, and 
I was, she's not someone that I was familiar with until I heard about the show in the spring. And then I heard this album and man, the other, you are is, now. <laughs> I am now like, but, but I was thinking through it. Like when I bring up the songs, like people know you, you know, your voice, they, they know the, the meat and the strength that goes into anything that you sing. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, whoever is going to be, you know, opposite Daphne has to have something going on. And man, did she deliver? Yeah. That was, you know, for real, she's the real thing, you know, and, in so many ways, uh, whatever, I think she can just do anything. I mean, I like to think she's just like me 2.0, you know. Yeah. I guess it's more than 2.0 now, but that's just my vanity. She's her <laughs> own human being, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of amazing, amazing performances, but and there were a lot of different Olivias who, who were all spectacular. Sure. But, you know, there's a reason for everything. And Giselle ended up on the album because she she was Olivia as as was seen in that in that moment. I mean, it was really just a galvanized clicking moment, you know, Um, we had chemistry all all around, you know, I get I you know, I haven't. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm very, very strange about oh. trying not to be very like objectified about it. That's my secret. And I will hear it and I look forward to it. But um, sometimes I need an awful lot of distance. Um, and, and what was my point? My point is, is, is that there's something just, so beautiful about the interactivity of listening to music and hearing a story between your ears so that you can create your your visual your inner your inner life um, it's what happens when we read books or listen to podcasts and stuff like that oh, you yeah. know what we're I mean like that. we get yeah. to interact but we're going to like like we get to interact in a in a different way to the to the um to the medium so that's what i love about soundtracks yeah yeah well you brought it up so i have to to go with the horror of dolores roach that was announced you know a couple days ago or the day before we're talking now i am somebody who loves podcasts i love these scripted um even horror podcasts and this is something new for gimlet but as they sent out this press release about who was involved with that i was like oh that's awesome you know, these are people, and every new cast member that I saw listed, I was like, that's an incredible group. Is this the first time, like, I don't know if you've done, like, audiobooks or have you done anything like this before? I have done audiobooks, but this piece is very close to me. I mean, it was a one-person show at the Labyrinth Theater. It was a play written for me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It, oh, we, that's fantastic. I didn't realize that. It was based on a on a, on a play named Empanada Loca, um, which we did at the Labyrinth Theater Company in 2015. And Mimi O'Donnell was the artistic director at the time, and we did it um, in November around Halloween. And people who saw it just absolutely adored it. And Aaron Mark uh, wrote and directed it for me. So, I mean, it was a wonderful time, but, you know, it had this short life, and we thought we need to, we need to revive Dolores. 
And so um, she became the horror of Dolores Roach on Gimlet. And so it's just like going from a solo show, an 84-minute solo show, to uh, a horror, a horror trip, to characters like Bobby Cannavale and Vanessa Williams and Margaret Cho and Richard Kind and like, like, Elizabeth Rodriguez, I could go on and on. Giselle is in it. Do you know what I mean? Like to have a dream come true, basically. It's a dream come true. Lilius White, John Douglas Thompson, um, Michael Yuri, Michael Yuri, Michael effing Yuri. You know what I mean? Like just, it just goes on and on and on. It doesn't end. So, that's even um, more people. I didn't even realize all those people were in it. They weren't all in that initial press release we got. That's uh, that's fantastic. Whenever I feel down, because today's a really today's a really really sad day, I just look at the cast list for the horror of Dolores, and I feel better. And I think yeah. about you know the fact that <laughs> you know Miss You Like Hell is um, a story that will live on outside of us, and that's how these mediums go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that there's a lot of people who do and don't look like me who will really enjoy it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, one of the things that is kind of very much ties into what you just said about living on after you're gone is that you're going to be a part of the Jonathan Larson Project at 54 Below uh, in October. You're going to be there on uh, at the 7 p.m. show on Wednesday, October 10th. And I know Jen Tepper and everybody involved are keeping a very tight lip on everything that everybody is performing because they're new songs that people don't know. But what, what, did it, what does it mean to you to, to be able to perform a new work that, that Jonathan wrote when, you know, so much, so everybody knows the story of, of Rent and your involvement with it, you know, and everything that happened around his death. What does it mean to you to be a part about something to debut a new song when a lot of people just assume that there were no new Jonathan Larson songs to be heard? Huh. Wow. That's pretty loaded. Well, it just simply (laughs) put, it's like, you know, no, no, no. It's like, you know, that's what that you get to think again when you think about over successes and just like sort of being flip about, Oh my God, they just like rolled off a log and came up with this work. You know, it takes a lot of like chipping at, like serious hard rock to to hone a skill you know and sometimes you get like thrown to the wolves because you know you effed up or something it's like the whole process is a process of um honing your skill you know that's just one way to look at it so he was you know I'm going to sing a song that was his, like, sort of, I mean, I, he never said this, but I'm saying this. It's, uh-huh. a, it's like a Jonathan, Jonathan's, like, Tears for Fears kind of song from, like, oh, cool. being, you know, like an 80s kid and everything. So it's like he wasn't changing the world yet. He was just telling wow. his truth. So, Yeah. It's an honor to do that stuff. It's like, at this point, you know, I didn't know it then, but this is what becomes a a family. You know, the family that 
you know, is not of origin, but of just experience in life. Sometimes you don't even choose it, you know. Thank God it chose me, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. When, you know, it's interesting to me that all the different guests that they have there, and I'm actually going to be there the night before you're there, but it's interesting to see some people who um, not only were in print, but ended up doing Tick, Tick, Boom after uh, Jonathan passed away. But it, it's interesting to see people yeah. who have connections with these, you know, his works before and people who don't, do you feel, does it feel different to dive into this as opposed, because I'm sure you sing rent stuff now and again, but is it different to kind of take on something else from, from, from Jonathan that he wrote? Does it feel different than if you're, you know, doing a, you know, a, one of Mimi's songs from rent? Well, totally. Cause it's, uh, it's like real Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, not real Jonathan. I mean, um, it's more of a, I was just thinking and talking about this the other day that it's more it's more him working at the Moondance Cafe. It's more him driving a beat up car with, you know, rust on the sides and a gumby on top of the dashboard. You know, it's more that guy and it's not, you know, like I get to I get to visualize the hoodie and this human being. And then, you know, if you, if you trip on that, it gets really sad because it's like, wow, he never knew like the splendor that he created, do you know, yeah. material and otherwise, mostly otherwise, actually, do you know? Sure. But like, as far as like, you know, driving a nice car, like Jonathan never drove a nice car. Um, he never got to, you know? Um, so anyway, that's what I think of sometimes, and it's not, it's not happy, but it is happy because uh, we get to keep doing it again, as I say, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's that legacy that goes on even, you know, it outlives you. That's what art is about in, in a lot of different ways. Not completely what it's about, but it's a big part of it. You know, some of us have different privileges, and that is my privilege, Yeah. basically. Cool. Well. Well, I'm very excited to to see the show. And I'll wrap it up here. As I said, um, you guys are having the, uh, the album release party for Missy Like Hell at Joe's Pub on Monday, October 8th. Whether it's hearing the album or coming to this concert, if people didn't see the show either at La Jolla or at the public like I didn't, what, if you could wrap up the experience of listening to this this album, it's so diverse in the types of music that are in there. Can you wrap up with the experience of hearing these songs? I know you haven't listened to the album yet, but just what the experience of these songs are. Well, my experience of having done the show, Erin um, McKeown, we call her E-Rock, and her, comp- you know, her compositions um, are spectacular. It's an amazing chamber, chamber musical with um, those instruments. It's got a lot of strings. It's got viola and violins, and um, I don't know. I just think that it's a magical journey, and it's a beautiful one. And um, and I hope that I can we can share it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for the Miss You Like Hell album and release Party at Joe's Pub, as well as the horror of Dolores Roach and Jonathan Larson Project 54 Below in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. You can also find Daphne Ruben Vega's social media info there as well. Tummy Moore is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to Dan Fortune and the man without whom none of Broadway radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening. And remember, in the evening, I've got a roam. Can't sleep in the city of neon and chrome. Also, always get a second scoop. And when you get a chance, ask people to tell you more. <laughs>